seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes, that glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit Woe. It's a hopeless show, with Aaron and Rohit Woe. Well, 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 look what we have here. Another episode of The Hopeless Show. And everyone's excited. The crowd is going wild. Fans are at the door. This is like Beatlemania, but a podcast, but without anyone. Right? Yeah. I think so. I mean, honestly, we might be the biggest things to happen to podcasts since, I don't know, Steve Jobs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it came from, you know, Apple. And I think uh, we, we just got nominated for 11 potties. <laughs> now, we self-nominated ourselves, and there isn't anything actually called a potty. But if there was, <laughs> we want to be nominated for, you know, there's the Emmys, there's the uh, Grammys, there's the Webbies, which we now we just learned about. And then there is the, uh, the potties. So we're going to start the potties. We've nominated ourselves 11 times. I think that we deserve to win. We do. We deserve to win because we are entering, Rohit. You know the theme today. We are entering the post-COVID world. It is officially... It it hasn't been officially said at all, but I'm officially saying it. We are entering the post-COVID world. People have... are Almost everyone I know is in some way, shape, or form coming out of the COVID uh, freakout. I've had friends talk about how it's tough because they have kids and how to adjust their kid to the real world because they've been stuck at home for two years. Adults are having trouble. We're figuring out, okay, what do we do now? How, what does this world look like? What does it look like from a uh, political standpoint? What does it look like from a socio, socioeconomic standpoint? What does it work? How does it look like for just a social standpoint? And how does it work? From a work standpoint, technological, you name it. What is this new world like after in 1945 when World War II ended? What is this new world that we're entering into? So that's our theme. Simple. It's a whole new world. Oh. It's a whole new, it's a whole new old world. I mean, it's funny because I've got some you know people on my team at work that are like, pretty much the conversations have been like, dude, I know that we've worked together for a while. And I know like for years but i'm like really nervous about going back to the office it's like i need to like relearn how to do that and i don't know if i'm ready for it and it's just like it's it feels like a new spring is here but i don't know if more people have ever dreaded the spring as (laughs) before you know while it's amazing we might be getting to a place it looks like we are in a place where we have a good handle on this pandemic and it's like the world has you know from mask mandates to whatever the world has gone back to normal, unless you're in Shanghai where they're literally putting up cages so people can't leave their apartments. Uh, yeah, it's passes, Which is pretty fucked um, and killing all their pets. But for the most part, the world is going back to normal and some people aren't ready for it because they've forgotten how to be in the old world. I Yeah, exactly. That's a problem. That's what's interesting about this, where we're at is people have forgotten to be how to be in the old world in the new world because it is new things have changed as we'll go over in a lot of topics and we have some some wacky ones today but they're 
it's how to adjust to the new world and the old world and like how, how to be in 2022, how to be going forward. How are we supposed to be? Because, uh, well, I'll, it, now I guess, you know, the World War Three has not happened really yet. Uh, so we're not really in a bomb shelter, but we're going to say news from the bomb shelter. The quarantine <laughs> is definitely over. But we're still going to say news from the quarantine. So news from the quarantine while we're in a bomb shelter. And so what what did you have go on uh, go on this week? I know I know you have an update. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll talk about my my golf trip uh, in a moment during our topic one because it involves some flights. But I have some breaking news, Aaron. Ooh, I think the world has lost sleep since our last episode. <laughs> and I want to let everybody know. You can finally go to bed at night again. You can rest your head on that cool pillow, pull that blanket up to your shoulders and just sleep peacefully with your thumb in your mouth and your snores that go me, 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 <laughs> because the impossible has happened, Aaron. Yes. The impossible. People, I looked at my research. People said it could not be done, but the impossible has happened. My, what is it? My permanent ban from Reddit has been rescinded. Wow. Yes. Why? I have no idea, but I think I wrote them enough letters and I found a way to contact them, not through the like the forum submission, which is like 140 characters to tell you why you're 11 year to, to try and, you know, appeal why your 11 year old account uh, would be banned for something as silly as what I did. Um, but I actually then did a bunch of research and I found out like how to like reach out to their, like not necessarily their IT team, but like their customer support. Like I just went through some back channels um, and I sent, uh, I sent a couple of emails and then I got a notification that after review, your account is no longer suspended. And it wow. Was yes. Yes. I, uh, I am proud of you. I, I mean, I, I think this shows anyone that you can do things that are maybe a little overboard on forums such as Reddit, and you can talk your way out of being punished and not really have any ramifications. So everyone, do as you please, and just show if you're if you're a very very persistent person like Rohit, you can stand by your immorals and you can get back on the on the game. But did, yeah. so I have a I have yeah, to ask think, you. Though, did you learn something? Here. Did you learn something? That is the real lesson. Yeah, yeah. Stand by, stand by your convictions, even if they're completely wrong. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. We're uh, in the post-COVID world. We are about not learning your lessons and just doing everything as you always yes. feel you should. But there are certain words that I will definitely avoid using unless I'm singing along to Spotify. And no, we're not talking about that word. Word. We're talking about the word that was replaced by the song "Let's Get It Started," um, so, <laughs> which you're now not ever going to yes, say. I would again. never use that other word if that's where your mind is going. Would never utter, utter my mind or my, my mind or my mouth. But the word that "Let's Get It Started" replaced, I'm going to really. I've been really cutting down on. I actually haven't said it since we last talked. So Reddit kind of taught you a lesson. Yes, but the greater lesson you, is that no punishment is permanent. No punishment is permanent unless it's a death penalty then you're toast yes and 
before we get into topic one, we're not going death penalty, by the way, in this episode. We are not going there. No. Um, I think we're both aligned. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So um, one, one other bit of breaking news. Oh, I guess I'll talk briefly about what I was up to. But one, yeah. one little bit of breaking news is uh, the Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, uh, has COVID. So in our post-COVID world, why I find this interesting is because it's not a big deal anymore. Everyone has vaccinations and boosters and stuff. And there's no concern like, is Kamala Harris going to be okay? She's going to be okay. She, it's like having the flu or whatever. She's yeah. sick and she'll get better. And she's vaccinated. So she's and vaccinated, boosted, maybe double boosted. I don't even know. I'm guessing yeah. they might've even had two. Um, so she probably has a very mild case. If any case at all just has it. I, I feel like she wouldn't have gotten COVID if she just got in front of a mic and say, said, do not come. <laughs> do not come. But then COVID's like, I'm coming. And <laughs> so in your, in your mind, COVID has an actual voice. Yeah. COVID is like, it looks like Donald Trump. It and does. I want to come. I want to get into your body. I want to get into your body. It's going to be the best COVID. You're going to have the best COVID. You're going to have so says, many snipples. Everybody says it's the best COVID. No taste. No taste, just like me. Uh, <laughs> the and Oh, in the post-COVID world, that's right. Uh, I, I was in San Diego seeing my sister and stuff. And uh, we went to a show at this place, Belly Up, which is like the Troubadour. It's a very cool, been there forever place outside of San Diego. And it was just interesting to be at a show with no it was like again covid didn't exist it was a concert it was really cool place i recommend anyone who's down there go to belly up it's a classic venue all many of the biggest artists have played there and it was as though covid was there was none anymore it was just people were kind of going about life there weren't masks there was it was just go about your business so um so that was cool. It was just neat to do that. And same with uh, other stuff that I did around there. It was just very nice to see what the world is like with uh, without without COVID. That makes me very happy, man. And I know that, like, you know, San Diego is one of your, you know, going down there is like one of your favorite spots. You know, it's like where it's kind of what you do to get away in one of the places. So I'm very happy that you got that. And we're getting to experience it now. Back to normal. Yeah. It's just. Oh, and also. And also, but then we will get into your crazy uh, flying trip. SeaWorld. I, I stopped by SeaWorld uh, because I wanted to see some animals. And I SeaWorld has had gotten a bad rap a little bit because apparently they've, you know, they made, there was a movie called Blackfish where they made it really one-sided opinion about how terrible... SeaWorld is to orcas. Knowing a bit about how documentary filmmaking is made, you can skew things in one direction or another to get people to feel a certain way. Seeing the animals at SeaWorld and seeing all the conservation efforts that they do and what they do to educate both people and the animal community about, about how animals live, how they exist, what they need. Again, I, like I talk about a lot on this show, I think there's a gray area there are things that are were over that are overboard done against 
animals that shouldn't be done. But also a place like SeaWorld can be a great place where there were so many kids running around learning and experiencing what it's like to uh, what learning about animals and sea life and sea creatures and all the treatment that I saw from the conservation stations they have there is you have these amazing marine biologists who are like friends with the animals and we're getting to learn about animals and learning about behaviors in ways we never would. So I really, I'd say go to SeaWorld. I don't like that it got branded in such a bad way. Yeah, and I think, you know, maybe there's there's a darker past, but I think if anything, you know, I think a lot of these zoos almost act as refuges, you know, for like animals that have been stranded or separated and, you know, they give them a home. Um, I think as long as like we are learning to become more humane, I think these places can become more acceptable. The I just remember I think SeaWorld is an important part of that. We need it's the oceans are what we've been destroying so much for, you know, a thousand years. Uh you know, obviously probably since before, you know, longer than that. But like I think it's important for people to feel connected to the ocean. And yeah. this is one way to do that. I mean, dude, remember sixth grade? In sixth grade we had career day. You had to come dressed up as your career, at least my school did. So good old St. Peter's School in Point Pleasant, New Jersey, right on the beach. Yeah. And I would venture to say 30% of the people, it was all the dudes, wanted to be sports center anchors. 30% wanted to be marine biologists. And then the other like 40% just was all random shit. <laughs> like it was either you want to be sports center anchor or marine biologist. Those are the two big careers in sixth grade. And I think a lot of that has to do with the connection that we had been able to get. I mean, like I said, I grew I went to school and lived growing up near the beach, you know, in New Jersey. And, and um, so there's there was kind of more of a tilt, I guess, toward the ocean there. But there was a lot of wannabe marine biologists. And my friend Eileen, who I went to school with for 12 years, she actually ended up becoming one. She's like, really. Yeah. She's like a really like established marine biologist, which is very cool. And I did. And I didn't go to school with any sports center anchors. Do you think your fellow marine biologists say, come on, Eileen? Yes. Okay, good. Yes. Do not come. <laughs> come Do on, not Eileen. come. Yeah. Come on, Eileen. I'm a, da, da, <laughs> marine really and song. I'm a Marine and I'm a Marine. Yeah. So, well, yeah, I, I like your take. And I think if we didn't have places like this, kids wouldn't know about what 75% of the earth has, which is water life, yeah. marine life, oceanic life. So there's, there's something about learning it in, in a book versus experiencing it. Ooh, okay. So I know most people are not overly interested in hearing how somebody's flight went. I know I'm certainly not. Not unless there's something that was interesting that happened on there. And Aaron, I would like to talk to you about some yes. really poor neighbors on my flight. Yes. Wait, yes. All yes. right. So, um, you know, as, as, as listeners might know, I was in New Jersey for in Atlantic City for a golf weekend with my old college friends, and it was amazing. And my first day of golf was awful, but my second day of golf was actually probably the best I've ever played. Oh, wow. Um, you, did, you did it. Yeah, yeah. And it, was, it still wasn't great. But even, you know, um, my, my old roommate, Bob, he was like, holy shit, that was night and day between the two days. And so I got a lot of good advice, you know, from him, from my buddy Justin, from Chris Harris, 
my friends Matt and Dan, and even you gave me some advice too. So all the combined advice I think definitely helped. What really helped the most was honestly just forgetting all the advice and just just hitting the ball. That's what I. That was yeah, my that advice. Was the advice. breathing. That was just your advice. breathe and don't think. Yeah, it's just like okay, I'm just like pretend it was a baseball. I'm just gonna hit it. Like that's all it is. It's like I'm not trying to like you know make sure my knees are properly bent and I got like you know I'm like picking up my I mean it is important in baseball to you know especially with fast pitches to make sure that your your front leg is elevated you know in time so you can at least come down on that swing but that's really all you really need to focus on anyway um golf was great all that um we partied late it was great went to the casinos cool we gambled cool fun 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 the on Sunday I took the latest flight I could back from back to Los Angeles from Newark airport now I'm boarding my I'm getting ready to board my flight which is already running late and I noticed that there was like wow and I texted you and a couple of the people I was like is there a special holiday happening I know Passover just happened, oh right but it, it was like there was probably between 75 and I think 100 uh, Hasidic uh, people on our flight and I was like oh that's interesting and you know they had their big families and all that and one thing I was kind of funny was like you know there was one guy and he had his his like cool hat the big you know the hat with the round brim yeah. And then there was a hipster dude, like long beard, skinny jeans, and like a ripped denim vest that had almost the exact same hat. <laughs> uh, right I was like, dude, that's amazing. That was like, I wish I took a picture because it would have been a very cool side by side. Anyway, um, so I'm in row seven or eight or something. And there's a group that's in row six. So after the first class uh, or row five. Um, so after the first class, we're boarding. I'm one of the earliest boarding groups. And one family, one of the Hasidic families comes on and I was like, okay, cool. And so, you know, they have their like, you know, four kids and they're starting to load their baggage to the overhead. And they just start having conversations. You know, the wife who's like 19 months pregnant, she's like talking and they're like, she's like, okay, cool. She's talking to her husband, but they're just chatting in the aisle. They're the first people to board after first class. And they're chatting. And then it's like, then the guy in front of me, he's like, uh, excuse me, can I get through? I'm just trying to, I'm sitting right behind. And they're like, okay, one sec, one sec. So then the guy, he, uh, the, the, the guy and the wife, he like, you know, she, she moves into the aisle a little bit. Then he just starts loading the bags and he turns his carry on bag sideways and puts his hat in the carry on thing. So nobody else could have their stuff oh. in the carry on. I was like, oh God. Here we go. And the guy's like, um, can I use some of the space? The guy's like, no, there's no room. The bag doesn't work the other way. And so the so they kind of like were just kind of disagreeing a little bit. And the other guy, the new guy got frustrated and put his bag further back from where he was sitting. Anyway, I get to my seat. And do you ever have this moment, Aaron, where you're just like, I cannot wait. I've always been waiting for somebody to ask me if they can switch seats with me so they can get the aisle just so I can say no. <laughs> yeah. um, I've, a, I've, I have, uh, not just, I've, I've gotten to have that dream come true. Oh, I'm so jealous. And, and I look like they want there. They actually think, oh yeah, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take your beautiful middle seat. Yeah. Like, well, it was, I was like, you know, I, I was like, I was like, I, I doubt they're going to ask people to move seats because them and their whole family's like scattered amongst the first two rows, um, both left and right. So then all of a sudden it happens. She then asks, can somebody move? Can somebody switch? Can we have this seat? And some one guy who was sitting in the window, he got stuck in the middle because he was too nice. Then later they split up another family 
uh, to a couple. And the couple was now sitting, one guy sitting in the middle seat. And then, so they split people up so they could all sit together. Um, I was like, okay, that's rude. And then the flight takes off and whatever, you know, food comes, then it goes. And then I look into the middle aisle and there's like a bag of what looks like 300 saltine crackers that has mm. been stomped and smashed into the aisle, into the floor. Oh. Uh, and it was just like left there. Um, and then the mom then then one of their family members from like that's sitting in the further back of the plane she comes sits on the mom's lap and they're watching movies on speaker what on her phone yeah and and it's like the flight attendant asked me can you please not do that um and then when it comes time to leave there after first class gets up you know they're there once and they block the entire flight out and people were started like, come on, move. What? Yeah. And then they, they weren't moving and it was just like taking forever to load the bag. And they're like, okay, cool. They they get hurried out. And so our, 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 we didn't walk right into one of those, you know, those big like tunnel things to get into the airport. And we had like a, a, a like a, a ramp staircase thing that you roll your bags down onto the tarmac. And oh, then that, like yeah. Ramp up. Right. And so then they said, okay, cool. We're on the plane. And so then they block the front of the tar, the, the front of that ramp and they start rearranging all the stuff in their bags. And then people are like, guys, are you serious? And even what? the flight attendants like, they're like, sir, man, please step to the side. And no. then the guy's like, okay, cool, kids, go, go up to the front. We're going to fix our bags. And then they have like all their kids just holding hands and kind of like blocking the ramp down. I'm like, excuse me, excuse me. What? And then it was crazy. And then I, I later heard him on the phone um, yelling at somebody who was coming to pick up, I guess at an Uber driver or somebody like that. Um, and overall... I got to say they did almost everything wrong that you can do on a flight short of doing things that would get you kicked out. <laughs> and that was my, so what I'm hopeless about Aaron is <laughs> Jews. I no, Nope. I, I grew I, I, I lived in Williamsburg. You know, my old landlord was Hasidic It's all great. But my, my fear is man, some people that haven't flown in a long time or are we now going to have really bad flyers because people have been so anti desocialized from work is our flight people now going to be really out of control because this was a worst case scenario in every way. And it all happened. Uh, so overall, this is why post COVID world is weird. I think, yes, for a while there are going to be, and I've been on them even pre like in on flights that I've been on uh, before this which would obviously be before this. I'm not on a flight now. So when I've been on some flights and have had some issues, not this bad, but I've seen like almost fights. I've seen, uh, uh, I got, I got yelled at. Um, anyway, but b back to you, the, there's two things going on here. I think it seems like this group of people, just like there's always, you know, I'm Jewish. It seems like these Jews seem like they were, they felt like they owned this situation, which isn't very cool. Um, so it's always gray. There's sometimes some yeah. some yeah. bad seeds. And then second, the flying thing. Yeah, I think that people are having going to have trouble getting used to flying and manners and what to do and nerves and whatever might be going on. People are going to be having problems because they haven't done this in so long yeah, and a big I mean, family this sounds like a huge family too so it's like it was i understand they were probably stressed out i mean for me whenever i get into a flight and if i see i'm like please don't have me sitting next to an older indian person um oh yeah i'm because, glad i'm glad dude, you said it yeah holy crap they bring an entire grocery bag of random ass food yeah it gets very smelly <laughs> it's yeah it's smelly it's not like plain appropriate 
and they always talk to you and try to make friends, which is sweet, but I do not want to make friends on flights. And it's, it's generally a very unpleasant experience. So what if like, not her, but let's say someone that looks like, I don't know, Giselle or Ariana Grande, let's say she sat next to you on a flight, not just someone that looked like that. Would you maybe want to talk to them and make friends with them? I think if it was actually them, sure. But if not, I mean, I'm in a relationship. I have no need. I got enough friends. So I'm like, I'm good. So Giselle sits next to you on a flight. And I'm just trying to see where your stance is because you have, uh, um, you old Indian guy you don't want to talk to, but Giselle sits next to you. Oh, yeah. Then she'll look at this old looking Indian guy and be like, oh, God damn it. And then... <laughs> All right. I'm just trying to. Well, yeah. the hope the hope I can give you from this is I think this wasn't an outlier experience for right now. But I bet by the end of the summer, this kind of thing won't be put up with anymore because also the mask, the mask uh, mandate on flights just got lifted. Right. So people are confused what to do there. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Stuff like that. This post-COVID world. How do we, how do we react to our new situations? And I bet if this same flight you do in a few months, it'll be fine. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you'll I think be good. Right. You'll survive. And for now, you have a great story about, like, about why you hate Jews. It's it's literally all I ever talk about. You know, that's, <laughs> that's just my, my my favorite people to hate. So are the Jewish people, <laughs> which um, is not true. We are joking for anybody taking this out of context. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do not take that line out of context, please. So on that note, let's move. Let's move on to a topic that Jews love: money, crypto watch. <laughs> uh, it looks like you have an interesting. Oh, I can't wait. We have something fun in a bit. I can't wait to talk about. But let's let's dive into this first. Yeah, I think was this my topic or was this yours? Uh, the Wolf of Crypto. Oh, it was mine. Yes. So, you see, we are so prepared for this show that sometimes <laughs> we forget just how prepared we are. And I forgot about this topic, but I wanted to just bring it up because there was uh, there's a guy that they call the Wolf of Crypto. Have you heard of this guy? No, I only know the Wolf of Wall Street. Right, the Wolf of Wall Street, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie based on this actual guy. I forget his Jordan name. Jordan Belfort. Um, Jordan Belfort. Yep. So, well, Jordan Belfort is back. But instead of being the wolf of Wall Street, he is now being called the wolf of crypto. Oh, and boy. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he is doing all this crypto stuff now to basically make a comeback. He's an investor in a handful of startups, including new NFT platforms and animal themed crypto project that's trying to take the dog and pet ecosystem and put it into the blockchain. And he is trying to reinvent himself as the wolf of crypto. And he's getting a little bit of press about it. He got that name. And I don't know what to make of it because this guy in the movie, um, 
Oh, like here's a quote. Can I get read one part? Please. About it. So they were talking to him, read this article, and um it's like kind of great. Like he chooses his guest from a pool to see who he wants to come into the house. So at last, Mr. Belfort emerged from his house wearing faded jeans and dark sunglasses. Mr. Belfort has short, dark hair. He's more wrinkled than he was in the 90s, but his face is still set in a perpetually boyish grin. He stopped on the staircase down from the porch to survey the scene. Nine men dressed in various shades of business casual, polo shirts, flip-flops, untucked button-down shirts. And he said, I guess we will... We still need to work on feminine adoption of cryptocurrency, he said. We got to get some girls here next year. He paused. Women. And then he started talking about the best sex he ever had and drugs. And it goes on and on. So, oh, he did say that he had to educate uh, Leonardo DiCaprio on how to do drugs. Because Leonardo DiCaprio has never done hardcore drugs. She talked about that. It just, it made me think, oh my God, like, why does a guy like this who did like a a Ponzi scheme, right? He was just nuts. And now he's getting his moment again, but with crypto. It made me feel hopeless about crypto. This story goes on and on about how nuts this guy is. I mean, here's the thing. This dude, like, there was an entire movie made about how he was like a lying psychopath. And I feel like it's kind of hard. You know, once a zebra has its stripes, it's kind of hard to wash them off, you know? Yeah. I don't, it's almost like, but part of me was he was really successful, really successful doing like the dirtbag things. So part of me is like, doesn't want to trust him because he was kind of like a bad guy, quote unquote. Yeah. Part of me wants to trust him because it worked. And didn't he end up in jail though? Yeah. But (laughs) that doesn't mean we have to. (laughs) I just, I don't, I think some people when they're just schmucks, I don't like when they get, to have another moment and base and still be a schmuck like his comment you know he just needs more chicks and drugs like it's just like you already got away with everything yeah it's kind of it's kind of a bit gauche Um, yeah so so it's almost like there's there's very little that's level about him i'm not rooting for him no but i'm rooting for us i'm rooting for us do what he does yeah and and he thinks he's the best at crypto now yeah unless he's ripping us off by he, trying to pump and inflate falsely certain like DAOs or just individual cryptos or NFT collections. And yeah. And yeah, he, he, I don't even know what he, it's just, because, I hope uh, it fails. I want him to fail. I will get hope out of his failure. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Maybe that's where the hope comes from. Where the other hope comes from is like, He'll go to jail again for all what he's doing, but we can profit from him from his jail time. And then in the post crypto world, we get the Wolf of Wall Street too. Yes, yes, the Aaron Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that movie, that would be a huge hit. People oh, would love time. to see that. Big time. So let's move on to our other uh, topic, which is actually kind of a bridge um, to our debate. And just uh, looking at the last five days, um, you know, Twitter stock from a week ago was about $46. And since uh, Elon's buy became official, um, it went up to 52. Ooh. So that's quite the, uh, you know, it's, uh, let's see. Four and a half, are, you an o- a, are you an owner almost, of, t- of Twitter stock? 
through my 401k and kind of like, you know, the whole diversified portfolio type thing, but I do not as an individual, I have not purchased individual Twitter stocks, but it might not be an interesting, not might not be a bad thing to at least take a little risk on, you know, buy like 10 or so and just see where it goes. Well, the question um, is, which I think, does this dive into our debate? Yes, this exactly dives into our debate. So just a little bit of a backstory here. As everyone knows who listens to the show, we do a hopeful filled section of this show. Rohit put Elon buys Twitter as a hopeful filled section that we would end the show with. I saw that and might have a slightly different opinion about this topic. So I moved it from hope fulfilled from the end where we say how joyous something is to a debate because I, I think I have a different take than Rohit on this. But Rohit, what makes you feel so happy in our as we start this debate about what happened with Elon? So, oh wait, are you asking me? To yeah. So, so here's oh. that. So, in the post-COVID world, when someone poses something in the form of a question, the other person <laughs> is then supposed to answer that. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, well, I think. So the clear question is, were you asking, is this a good thing if that Elon bought? Yeah, like what? what's your feelings on it? Because you did okay. put it in the hopeful filled section. So I think we know where you're yeah, so, headed. So yeah, I am jumping for joy. I'm moonwalking. I'm popping and locking. I'm breakdancing. I'm hand jiving. I am fucking, I just rented an accordion and I'm doing <laughs> polka and just like wearing fucking lederhosen and celebrating i've popped every bottle of champagne in my house i've cleaned my sneakers everything i can do to celebrate elon musk becoming the new single owner of twitter i am thrilled i am happy i think it's wonderful that he wants to open up speech a little bit so it's not purely one-sided and i'm very excited for that okay I'm not excited. I think that it is a skewed point of view to think that Elon is this godsend to free speech. I think Elon is godsend to the free speech that he likes. And I think he is one person who wants to be in control of a lot of things. He loves power. And what better way to have power than to control something like Twitter where he can do things like, because I, it would be terrible if I said this without an example, right? Mm-hmm. So I have an example for you of when Elon was not for free, spe- free speech when it came to stuff about him. And here is an example. Uh, there is a man named uh, Lawrence Fozzie. And he was a portfolio manager in Manhattan. So I'll read you this because the title of this is Extreme Enemy of Free Speech. Tesla critic says Elon Musk bullied him off Twitter in 2018 by calling his boss and threatening to sue. So that sounds very not, oh, I don't care. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I'm going to, I'm just for anyone saying anything about anything. Uh Uh-oh, but it happens to be about me. Uh Uh-oh, I'm mad now and I am going to do all kinds of bad things to this other person because he said something that could hurt me. So um, 
Because Elon Musk said, I hope that even my worst critics remain on Twitter because that is what free speech means. That's what he tweeted yesterday, I think. Yep. Um, but on July 23rd, 2018, he was singing, or in this case, ringing a different tune. Lawrence Fozzie was the portfolio manager. And uh, he got a call from Elon Musk. Elon Musk says that this guy was a bad person because he was writing bad things about him and he's going to have to sue you and he's going to drag your boss into it if he doesn't take this back because this guy Fossey had criticized Elon Musk online and that's it. And then this guy had to backtrack and do all kinds of stuff because he had said some bad things online about Elon Musk. So this proves my point, I believe, in this debate that Yes, you idolize Elon Musk, but he is human just like everyone else. And for one guy to own this platform is not going to change anything. If anything, it's going to make it so that Twitter is swayed. So it is in Elon Musk's favor. But and depending on what Elon Musk likes, that's what Twitter is going to become. I'm not jumping for joy about that. I mean, what if he keeps to what are you saying that he's. Even his critics, everybody's just going to let it be more free. Will you take back what you In said? a not public forum like this, this man Fossey had to deal with, a big Manhattan broker. He well, there's also, there's a difference between that as well as libel that he's actually, then this guy's talking about things that he doesn't have access to in terms of the, you know, Twitter's books. He, in terms of just lots of internal information that may or may not be true. Any season, any company will send lawyers to cease and desist when somebody's trying to. No, he was tweeting. Internals. This guy was tweeting. Sure, but he, he was, was active tweeting. on Twitter, and he on Twitter said things that were negative about Elon Musk. It wasn't that they were negative about Elon Musk; rather, they were potentially libelous statements that could impact shares of the hold based on nothing on fat. Based on not not based on fact. Based on not fact, which is what Twitter is, and people are saying not facts all the time, and so it's going to become a fact platform because that's not what Elon Musk is saying. He's saying everyone should be able to say what they want to say on Twitter, which is just where you can say anything. That's what no, he's saying. He, that's not what he's saying. He's saying he wants to enable free speech. Free speech does not include calls to violence. It does not include libel or slander. That's not covered in free speech. There's literally not covered. But this, this man, Fossey, wasn't doing that. He was saying his opinion on uh, on the Tesla but his company. His opinion stated as facts. That is why it got shut down. He's, make, he's acting, pretending to be a reporter, making up things that he doesn't have access to. And Elon's like, and people are like, it's starting to catch fire. He's like, dude, this is not true. It's like, shut the fuck up. And it's like any company will send a cease and desist. That, that's not something that Elon Musk invented. Any company and their lawyers will be like, dude, this dude's literally making shit up and people are believing and treating it as news. So there is a responsibility, sure. Now, if libel, slander, like legitimate hate speech, legitimate things that are calls to act, calls to violence, that's not anything that anybody wants or is going to include. But what Twitter was doing algorithmically and also manually with the algorithm, they were really forcing certain topics that have a very specific political bent. They were forcing, they were 
censoring. They were treated the whole Hunter Biden thing. They treated that as fake news. They banned the trending topics. They blocked all that. And then, yeah, a year later, it's like, oh, actually, that was real. And I don't even give a shit about that. But it's just it's how they coordinated to really silence any critics with COVID. If people were critical of COVID protocols, their simple tweets were flagged as fake news and misinformation, even though someone's just critical. It's like, oh, my God, why are we even they're just critical about a specific lockdown measure, not saying they're anti-vaccine or anything like that. Twitter took an authoritarian nature based on the political sensitivities of their board to enforce a very one-sided narrative and silence legal speech, speech that is appropriate, but they they felt that it wasn't pleasant. It wasn't pleasant. Now, what Elon is saying is left or right or whatever this or that, as long as it's like not call to action, not call to violence, not libel or slander, you can say it. And so and even if so, even check if this. So then, him. just to bring up another another thing that happened, do you know about the time when Elon Musk put in put out false information on Twitter? And slandered someone and had this whole thing with the rest, the people, the 12 kids who were, what were they stuck in, uh, in the cave in Thailand and what happened there and how somebody a pedophile. Yeah. Yeah, All that silly. Oh, so that, so all of a sudden calling someone a pedophile when they're not is just silly and that's allowed. But the other thing is slander. He also said, if you want to lose your boner. Uh, look at this picture of Bill Gates. And it, that was fucking funny. But what's um, slander and what's not? What's free speech and what isn't? Well, if it's Elon, if it's pro Elon Musk, Elon Musk in that, in the, uh, um, so what, what was this one? Uh, that he, right. He all, he lies all the time. That's the other thing. He Elon Musk constantly lies and had, has been has had to pay fines and uh, or else be uh, what was it the uh, Security and Exchange Commission. He had to settle a fraud charge because he lied. Well, you know now it's and that was fine and he he paid for that. But I'm telling <laughs> you, but here's the thing: he paid his dues, and I don't care honestly. If here's what I have to say for people that are concerned about Elon Musk kind of opening up speech on the platform and treating that as fascism because more speech apparently somehow equals fascism. I encourage you to go make your own platform. I think I encourage you to go and make because everyone can just go do that. Yeah, everyone can just go make. No, Elon Musk is using money and power. And I think this is. I don't know. I just, I think he jumped the shark a while ago and I am not into it. And then people that, you know, they can, they can make their own platform. They can learn to code. They can go do all these things. Now that, you know, their, their, their whole Twitter careers are going up in flames. I encourage them to go do that because that's what, when it, when everybody was like, Oh, this conservative is getting kicked off this, that, like, I hate that I'm defending the conservatives, but honestly, it's very funny to throw this dumb woke crap back at people when they're saying go make your own platform great well and we're about to get to that topic too yeah but i let's end it all right we've both made our points um we're waiting for the jury you the listener to chime in what do you think do you think elon that did did i make did i make a good point that elon musk should uh that he's a uh he's a walking double standard and or did Rohit make a good point that he is uh, basically a religious deity 
Andy is no. a god. And, and let me just add one statement. And there's there's a Reddit comment that was from uh, from user Duffman HB. Right. So, um, okay. Good. Yeah. I'm glad we're now going to end this debate on, you know, he, with the always impo- with the pristine with the with the really highly important <laughs> with the dignified Duffman 15. So this is this is from the stupid poll subreddit, which is a socialist subreddit meant to critique the. Uh, identity politics of today. And this guy says, and it's a really interesting quote, and I'll leave it with this. He says that, I genuinely believe this is a philanthropic thing for him. If you paid attention to his character and talking points, mixed in with his comments about Twitter and Dorsey's comments, it's very clear he feels that he just wants to take Twitter away from the activist board. Even though I'm glad Trump didn't win, it is really concerning to watch Twitter throw its weight around to influence public discourse for their personal goals. They're far from neutral. Just look how they treated Biden leaks and the Wuhan lab theory. A platform like Twitter may not be super popular among the general population, but its influence is extremely reaching due to, due to its active user base being effectively all of media. It's the platform for information gatekeepers, and Twitter exploited this reality to push their own political agenda, which is dangerous. While I admit Musk is my least hated billionaire, I still recognize he shouldn't be that rich and he's not a saint. But at the same time, it doesn't mean every action he takes has some nefarious meaning behind it. Musk seems really concerned with the influence Twitter has had in shaping public discourse. And I just want to open the public discourse. All right, so that's Rohit's second closing argument. And uh, now let's, you all, I'm not even going to chime in because I'm not in a debate. I'm not a cheater like that. And I just sneak in a nice long closing hey, statement. You got your whole ridiculous article, your libelous article um, <laughs> from Mediaite, very reliable source. Um, it's, so, it's the best. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's move on to our sports segment. Yes. And Aaron. I just want to commend you. You're yeah. really good at fantasy baseball. Oh, I have man. not played in a league with you yet for baseball. Thank you so much. You're good, dude. You really think so? I really do. Aaron's in third place overall, and his pitching staff is heinously great. So good job, man. Thank you. I was very, very nervous going into this league. And for everyone, if you haven't missed the last few episodes, I'm in Rohit's league. I have an expansion team. So I thought I was doomed because... I don't have like the good players from seasons before to start my team with. And it's what most expansion teams are. You're going to suck probably at first. And so I was pretty much relegated to knowing that I'm going to suck. But I, so (laughs) right now it's real early. I'm in third place. So I think, am I, do I have a chance or is it just a nice hot start? And I'm going to, and I already lost one of my best pitchers for the year. So um yeah rest in peace r.i.p john means but so do you think i actually have a chance or is it just a good start no i think i think it's a little bit column a little column b i think it's a good start is obviously paramount because in the end sometimes you know in a long 22 week season you miss the playoffs by one game oh really it's like so yeah it's it's and this is an extremely competitive league even the bad teams are really good it's like one of those any given sunday leagues it's definitely the most competitive fantasy league I've ever played in. Um, and you're, I mean, you're, you're Max Scherzer pick. I was so upset you took him before me, rightfully so. He's a number five player in fantasy baseball right now. Um, oh, really? Yeah. He's out of his mind. Oh, yeah, because we were actually talking about that. And I simply asked you, like, so what do you do in this situation? Because there's these players and uh, there's one player who's obviously the best and most known and is... Do you take that or do you, do you just go for the best player? And you, I think, just said, yeah, you should probably go for the best player. Yep. 
And so I took him just because he was the best. I was praying you wouldn't think he was the best. I was praying and I was very upset that so <laughs> I got Shane Bieber. I would much rather have Max Scherzer because um, Bieber, I think, is way less consistent. But your pitching staff from like I thought Lazarda was a great pick. I mean, he's had like a bad game, one bad game, but he's so good. Then Josiah Gray is pitching really well. That was my I have him on all my teams, that guy, because yeah, like, he was a Manoa Dodger prospect. was a nice pick. Which one? Like Michael Full, Alec Manoa. Then Mike, who's one of your keepers, then Michael Fulmer, and then Josh Hader, even as a closer, is a number 12 player in fantasy. He's got, he's just out of his mind right now. Freddie Peralta, who is going to turn it up, is going to be great. Pablo Lopez, he's, once he fixes, no, Pablo Lopez is actually, he's number 28 right now. So your entire pitching staff is all like top tier. So I think you drafted well. Um, I would say your bats are definitely something that seem, you don't, you got Chris Bryant, who who's been is terrible, a big bat, but he's not playing that great. Um, Kybert Ruiz, you know, I know you believe, you're a big believer in him. I'm hoping pulling for him too, but I think that right now you're missing some monster bats. Yeah, and that's where your pitching is literally top tier. But I would be concerned about your bats through the season and try and play the waivers for big power hitters. Okay, or make I, a trade. I will do that, and I'll listen to you because in looking at the teams, you have, I think, on paper right now, the best team. Your keepers are nasty. So you started out the season with some like some of the best players, and I think even like Juan Soto hasn't even started to play like he should yet. So, uh, and Trout, right? Yeah, I got Trout, Juan Soto. I kept uh, Cedric Mullins and. Uh, Pete Alonzo. So you have so these big, you have just big bats. They're going to do well. Big bats. And then I drafted Ty France, who's a number one player in fantasy. That's Francisco wild. Francisco Lindor, who's a number three. I got Jorge Polanco, who's a big bat at second base. Joe Connor right now is a number 34 player. He's got four bombs. Dalton Varshow as a catcher eligible player, but in the outfield already has two steals and four home runs. I'm going to um, say one thing to you, because yes. I think you do have the best team on paper right now. And I don't think there people would deny that if you look at your team. You have an amazing mm-hmm. team on paper. Thank you. I can guarantee you one thing. Ty France at the end of the season will not be the number one player in fantasy baseball. Um, can I go on a limb and say I agree with you? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm riding the fucking French wave right now, man. Well, we'll keep everyone posted on fantasy so far. Rowett is the best team. I'm in third place. I hope I can, if I can just stay in the top half, I will be very happy and have a run at the playoffs. But Rowett's team is uh, looking really good. And I look forward to our matchup in a few weeks. Ooh, it's going to be, we will be talking about it on the show. Yes, we will. So where where are we at? Do we have to, is it time for topic two? I think so. I think so. Um, Topic two. So this, Rowett, do you know who Janelle Monet is? I love Janelle Monet. Okay, so you know her. I I actually did see her in concert once at a festival, and she was good. I don't think I've seen her movies, really, or anything. She's been in a few movies. Yep, she was in the Amazon show. Um, I forgot what it was called. Uh, about someone who, like, has their memories messed with. Uh, I don't know that one. Yeah, so, good. So, whatever. She's, if you don't know who she is, she's a uh, singer, actress... She's done some stuff. She's been around a while. So, here is where I have a problem, and I feel very hopeless. So, this 
I don't know what you'd call Janelle Monet. I don't want to say a list, but I don't know. She's a someone that some people know, some don't know. Yep. Um, she came out with a book. Uh, the book was is called I can't find the name of the book. Uh, something. Book is called something. And here was her quote. <laughs> War and peace. Yeah, it was called War and Peace. So, <laughs> so first of all, collapsed. first of all, just to give you a sense, and this is where I just have a problem with this, the way some people are acting these days. Her first, it was on the Facebook series, Red Table Talk. Who hosts Red mm -hmm. Table Talk? Jada, Jada Pinkett Smith, who I have a problem with. Side note, we're not going to get into her anymore. Everyone's heard way we're too done. much about her. Yes. Here is what Janelle Monet said. I'm non-binary, so I just don't see myself as a woman or solely, you know, I feel all my energy. I feel like God is so much bigger than he or the she. Adding, and then she added, if I am from God, I am everything. And uh, I... And she went on about God and spirit and how she's this. And I feel that it opens up with the spirit that I am. And if you don't work, the, uh, I, I'm not even going to keep her quotes coming. But my problem here is this, some would call it, woke. it's fine. If you, if you want to identify as whoever you want to identify as, great. Do it. That's fantastic. Good for you. If you are a celebrity of some sort and want to come out and do it and then start comparing yourself to a godlike figure, I have a huge problem with this. <laughs> and I think it is it is just whacked out and wrong and uh like she then wrote this, said this, and I'll just read it because it's just it's just riding such this self-righteous wave. Like, imagine it, you know, who like Bob Odenkirk, the yeah, yeah, I love Bob Odenkirk. star of uh, Better Call Saul and yep. Nobody and Breaking and his Bad. Son just has a, a new podcast, an active podcast with the best crazy cast. But anyway, continue. He does? Yep, his son. Oh, cool. And Bob's on it too. Yeah. Um, so he just came out with a book. I bought the book because I really like him. Uh -huh. Imagine if he said, if Bob Odenkirk said the quote that I just read. And then the next quote, so imagine that if he came out as non-binary and then compared himself to a godlike figure who's messaging from God, whatever she said. And then I'm just trying to prove a little point here that I might or might not be uh, proving. She wrote, being a queer black woman in America, someone who has been in relationships with both men and women, I consider myself to be a free ass motherfucker. Okay. And then she said, I've been in monogamous relationships, polyamorous relationships, but I knew I couldn't be Little Pumpkin, Monet said, referring to some child name. I, I know who I am. I've been playing a version of some parts of me, but now I am owning all of me. So my problem with this, and I bring up Bob Odenkirk. He's a white dude. If he came out and said he was channeling God and he now he's a godlike figure and all that, he would be put to... He would be destroyed. He would be absolutely destroyed. Janelle Monet does it, and it's a big 
PR move and gets her a ton of attention. And I just don't, I don't think anyone should be uh, champion for talking like this. I think it is self-righteous. I think it's obnoxious and it's so self-involved. Yeah. Well, I want to give you a personal anecdote. So Aaron and myself and a couple of our friends, Mike and Brad are on a, you know, a thread that texts throughout the day, literally every day and has for years. And today, you know, we're having a little debate and today I posted a little meme and it was like an old like illustration from like, I guess a new Testament sort of comic. And the way it goes is you see the crowd and they're yelling at Jesus and just the line it says on the meme is like, they hated him for he spoke the truth. And, <laughs> and I was referring to myself. <laughs> so, you were, you yeah. were, you were. So I honestly, I adore Janelle Monet. I think she's amazing. And I think like, you know, the quote, the way I took it, where she says, I feel like God is so much bigger than he or she, um, that if I'm from God, I am, I am everything. I think like she's kind of saying that, you know, God is, isn't male or female. God doesn't have a specific binary identity. And Janelle Monet, as long as I've been following her, which is almost 10 years. Um, and she, you're a Janelle Monet stan. Yeah. I'm not a stan, but I've really enjoyed her. I think she's great. And I think like she's been wearing tuxedos and slacks and suits like as long as I've known she existed. And like, she has kind of never, there's been questions about her in her past, like seven, eight years ago. It's like, are you gay? Are you, you know, like, and she's like, I'm not going to answer that because I'm more than that. I'm just, and it was like, and this was before the non-binary, like sort of, you know, that idea was truly as prevalent in culture as it is now. And I think like she was non-binary before most of the world knew what non-binary was. And I've always respected her for that. And I think where she's coming from might be a bit hippy dippy and maybe, yeah, maybe she shouldn't really reference herself on the same level as God, but maybe I, maybe I'm reading as hers, like we're all descended from God, you know? And like, and it's like, and we all are, you know, this greater and spiritual entity might not fit in a box and neither do I. Yeah. But, but I mean, you're making me not feel hopeful at all because so should should I am I allowed to say that I am everything be, but I'm I am a straight guy so therefore I'm not everything because I'm not as connected as she is to this god that, that that's a really interesting question Aaron and I like honestly, it feels like sense, so self-righteous I can I what you're saying now actually it's making I'm starting to understand where you're coming from and I get that it's like it's and for me personally, maybe I'm just interpreting it differently. I don't see her gender identity, her saying that it's more spiritual. I can definitely see how it can be interpreted that way. Maybe she is saying that. But the way I'm taking it is that her gender orientation is okay and it's acceptable because God doesn't have a gender orientation. Yeah, and but think- she didn't say that. She didn't. That's not what her quote was. That's not what she said. She didn't say what you just said, which would have been fine. She said it as though because she is who she she is non-binary and she's a they and 
net. I mean, I'm, I don't have it now in front of me, but that's yeah, not. I have it in front of me. It says, I feel like God is so much bigger than the he or the she, Monet said during the Red Table Talk appearance, adding that if I am from God, I am everything. So I am, um, so I am Jewish. I feel I am from a God or higher something bigger. So that means I'm not everything because I'm not a non-binary, all the things she said, polygamist and this and all the different things because I'm not that. So I'm not as good as her. To me, this is where the woke culture flips on itself and it becomes the exact thing that it's trying not to be. Yeah, it's and and Aaron, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. And I think like, like I said, maybe just because I love Janelle Monet. I think she's great that maybe maybe I'm just really looking at the brighter side. But I think my overall takeaway is that no one is lesser because of who they love, who they're attracted to or who they feel themselves. No, no one is also greater because they are doing that. And in this, she is acting greater. Like now she is better than and more important than because of all those things she lists. And that's yeah, a problem. The only people that can really claim that spiritual superiority is me, because I always speak the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else. So, yeah, honestly, I think this is a really interesting topic, Aaron. And I'm kind of, when when did this happen? This is really recent, huh? Oh, yeah, really recent. I'd love to see if, the, you know, over the next, by our next show, if there's any sort of blowback. There won't be. Follow-up. There won't be, because in this situation, the media is not allowed to do blowback. But... When we get to Hopeless TV in a second, they are allowed to do blowback. And this is where I think our culture has gotten a little bit. And I know you agree with me on this. Yeah, it's it's I think sometimes, you know, we've gotten sometimes a bit too like, God, what am I going to say here? That's not going to get me in trouble. Just but I think say it. We've almost gotten a bit too like open talking about stuff. Like I don't care what gender people care about. I don't care who they're attracted. I literally don't care. Why is it the only thing we talk about anywhere in pop culture? Yes. It's like, do not give a shit who you want to fuck or who you think you are. I don't care. I'm happy for you. Just stop talking about it. I don't care. Yeah. Or definitely don't say that now you're closer to God because this like, like, no, we're all the same. You're doing the opposite. You're now making yourself better then. You can't do that. Um, ah, okay. Rah, so I'll, leave, roar. I'll, I'll leave our listeners with this for this topic. Okay. And actually it is 10 years ago. There's a song called by deep cotton. Uh, and it's featuring Janelle Monet and it's called we're far enough from heaven. And that song is a party banger. You can't help but just like feel good and just like want to just like start ripping, like ripping it up. So Deep Cotton, We're Far Enough for Heaven, featuring Janelle Monet, Janelle Monet, really great song. Get into that and then maybe you'll have an appreciation of Janelle like I do. Well, uh, thank you, Rowett. You're welcome. I feel hope. I don't really. Yes, I hope so. I don't really feel hope. But uh, <laughs> now we're a little, a little hopeless TV. This is a throwback uh, TV segment. But... People, if you did, you see on uh, on the uh, on the Twitter net and all that stuff what people were trying to do with Steve Martin. Oh boy, did I ever! It's you know, and then Bill think, Murray for different reasons, but yeah. Um, Steve, let's stick to Steve Martin because that's the real TV part. King Tut, famous mm-hmm. skit that he did in the I think seventies. 
Yeah, like late 70s, yeah. Which was a parody of this. There was a King Tut exhibit going around the world that everyone wanted to go see, and so he did a song called King Tut, and it's pretty funny. <laughs> and it was done in 1970-something. And yeah. people were trying to cancel Steve Martin because of a skit that he did 40 years ago that's a joke about this exhibit. And he's dressed up like an Egyptian from 2,000 years ago. This made me feel immensely hopeless. I've gotten to work with Steve Martin. He's a great guy. Like, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, he, this is like... He, I love he is a, he's, he's a, 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 a pretty PG comic too. Um, he's a great writer. He's a great comedian. He's a great, he's a great, uh, author of, uh, of books. Cause that's what authors do, right? They write books. Yeah. He plays the banjo. He plays the banjo. He's doing, mm -hmm. uh, July 4th, July 2nd, 3rd, 4th of, uh, of this year. He, the, him and Martin Short are doing three nights at the bowl. Which I let's kinda, go see. Yeah, it. let's do it. I want to do let's, it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. We'll make plans. Great. So uh, not the fourth though, because we know what happens in the fourth. Yeah, but that. Yeah. So I just can't stand that someone is going back forty years and trying to cancel someone for something that just. Come on. It's here's the thing. I think that this new generation. I'm going to sound like an old ass fart right now. There's a different type of humor, and I don't. And I and a lot of the, the TikTok humor, I laugh like a motherfucker. Some of it, it's so dark and nihilistic, and I love it. But I think the classic humor, and by the way, once Steve Martin fades into, you know, the ether after he passes, we will have lost one of the entertainment greats in history. Yep. And I really want people to appreciate him now while he's still around and still doing his thing. And no, Steve Martin is not 90 years old. He's got some years left. So Steve, if you're listening. And he's on a big show. He's on think, a big show yeah, right now. We, yeah, on Hulu, um, Only Murders in the Building. Um which I think is coming back for season two. Yeah, it's coming um, soon. It was huge. It's their biggest that. show, I think. I'm really excited for that. Um, that and Handmaid's Tale are probably two of their biggest. Yeah, today. that and that one. Um, and the uh, I, it, it's humor has all of a sudden become such a sort of um, oh god, I can't think of the word that it just divides people. Where like not firebrand, but it's like a people are pretty much fighting to death over humor. You know, the whole Dave Chappelle thing that, you know, it's like jokes are now treated as critiques on individuals when they're not. Yeah. And I really am excited for maybe going back to Twitter. Huh. We're not going to see this. We're not going to see jokes getting reported and people getting banned for saying really stupid, dumb shit anymore that are just funny. And to me, honestly, a joke has no victims. When you have, when you target an individual, then all of a sudden you're being a bully. Don't well, it, if you want, if you're so anti that comedian, hey, you know what? I have an idea. Don't watch that comedian. Yeah, because people are not literally getting harmed by jokes. No matter how many people claim that, people are not getting harmed by jokes. They're getting harmed by bullying. But people confuse the two. Yes. And you cannot confuse the two. Just like people are not holier than thou because they do something that is con that is more woke or more or they're just they're being honest with who they are, which is great. That doesn't make them better than the people who aren't doing that. Dude, yeah, it's it's Ugh, society. Right we are getting Rawr. I feel like there's like that iconic Spider Man scene where he's trying to like 
uh, he's got like his 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 um, webs out and he's trying to like hold back a train, right? And his two arms are getting stretched and the train's like pushing behind him. Oh yeah, him, of right? course. Yeah, that. Right now on one side, we've got the evangelicals, all the God stuff that they can't take a goddamn joke and everything is offensive to them. And the other side, we've got the woke religion. <laughs> Where you can't br- you can't break you know you don't want to say anything that's blasphemy no. you you know you're gonna get like excommunicated you're born with original sin so right now we are just trying we're getting pulled by either side stretched and ripped apart yep and in the middle are funny jokes <laughs> and that's where I want to be funny jokes bring yes. back funny jokes I'm gonna hope yes. gong that bring back bong yes. bring back <laughs> funny jokes and. uh Thank you for that, Rohit. I feel better now. Bring back funny jokes. And we have just a few more topics. We got to wrap up. And I know we've got, I've got, I hope I haven't offended anyone today too much, but I just, it, it really pisses me off when people are self-righteous. So speak, let, ah, man, I wish, I would love to go on a tangent right now and just be self-righteous, but I'm not going to do that. Instead, we are going to talk about BTS, our favorite K-pop band that yes. we have become huge fans of, and they've gotten way, way bigger in, since we've started this show. But it's the Guess the BTS segment. So Rohit, can you guess what I found out insider information about BTS that I can't release the the who gave it to me, but it's information that I that is very interesting about why BTS is doing so much right now. Okay. Can you guess a why? Why are they doing so much? Oh, I'm going to go on a guess that one of them is set to have a baby and they're not going to be able to tour. So they're trying to like get as much in (laughs) eternity leave. (laughs) So one of them is going to get pregnant. (laughs) Oh, he's, he's going to, he's going to make a prego, make a prego. Yeah. So, I hope this is right and I'm not wrong with this topic and the information I got wasn't wrong, but they said it's true that at some point in when you're a Korean, you have to serve some time in the Korean military. And Mm -hmm. at some point, the members of BTS coming up soon, it's like their timeline is up and they have to do it. So, then BTS has to stop for 18 months so that all the members serve. So they're trying to get as much BTS as possible by the time they turn, let's say it's 28 or 30. I don't know what the age is. But by that time, they have to have done it because because once that happens, BTS is going to stop for 18 months. And I found that fascinating. If it's not true and my information is incorrect, I still find it fascinating. It's just false. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting. Also, we say he's like, because like these kids, they, BTS has been gone for five, six, seven years, I guess. Um, and they're all really good looking for now. They have like great style. They're, they have cool haircuts. But once these kids, I keep calling them kids, they're in their 20s, you know, once they finish their military service and they get on the other side of their 20s, they get towards into the 30s. Then all of a sudden, I think you're going to have to be a thing. We need to start replacing them. They're, some of them probably have their solo tours. But to ha- I think like it's, I don't know. Do you think that BTS, as we know it now, this might be their farewell until, and then they have new members after the military service? 
No, I don't think there will be new members. I think they have to do it. And the fans aren't, it's not like, oh, no, I'm saying after the military, after the military. Oh, then I think they'll be back. It just, okay, I think yes, at age the 28, they have to do it. So they have like a year. I don't know how old they are now, but it's like a year or two more. That's really interesting. Um, and then they have to, I mean, it's, that's Korean law. So, and, and I, I think I asked this person if they can get out of it. And he said, no, it would be a terrible example. You can't have like your biggest celebrities just not go to war. They won't do it. So yeah, I think that's, that's a bad example. And I, so I respect that. That's great. I found that uh, very I do, interesting. I, I really, I think it's doing, it's cool that they're doing their civil service. And I got one BTS note, Aaron. Oh. So really quick before we move on, I know we can start wrapping up the show, but BTS and Apple fitness plus have uh, put together. Um, there's, there's a BTS uh, dance highlight that features all of an Apple fitness dance highlight that features all of BTS's, a bunch of BTS's songs and we have all the Apple Fitness Plus trainers that are wearing like all the BTS outfits and there's a whole sort of, um, uh, you know, BTS tweeted about it and all their fan groups tweeted about it. And really? so it's kind of cool. So a- Apple's kind of, you know, teamed up with BTS a little bit and for International Dance Day on uh, a Friday, April 29th, um, you know, I think there's going to be, uh, you know, a fun little compilation of all the user videos. So it's kind of cool. So I can finally contribute my own BTS thing to this segment. Well, I think I there's something big that you're going to contribute is you are going to go meet BTS and get them on the show. Yeah. I mean, I know I've, we've been putting them off for a while because our schedules haven't lined up. <laughs> so, cause I've had meetings or lunches. Um, so, so yeah, I had to walk my dog. I mean, you had, um, so not yet, but you're yeah, on, you're, got, you're getting there. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask them about it if I have the time. Well, please do because, even if we could just get Jungkook, he has 38 million followers on Instagram. BTS has 65 million. So I, you know, I get that people like them, but let's just get Jungkook. Yeah, I'm into it. He's All right, he's I'll, 25, I'll so he has three years, and he has to. Great. I'll, I'll I'll get our boy JK in here. Excellent. This is exciting news. Congratulations to Apple on that big partnership. And now we have, we'll wrap up our show with our hope in 60 and a little hope fulfilled. So uh, you want to take one first? I'll, uh, I'll give you a little, yeah, a little doozy. Yeah. Um, let me start the timer, Aaron. And this one is a bit uncomfortable. Um, and, all right. We're both big Ukraine supporters. Love, the, love Ukraine. We support their fight against Russia and all the help we can give them. Um, recently, there was a, a, a group in Manhattan. Obviously, lots of rallies. My dad even went to a pro-Ukraine um, rally when it first all went down, and he's you know very pro-Ukraine. Um, but there was a group that was chanting um, and had some Ukrainians in there, and they were chanting Azov, Azov, Azov. Azov is the neo-Nazi volunteer group that's fighting. It's been a battalion that's been part of the, the sort of Ukraine like military for a while, but the Azov battalion... Um, is a prolific neo-Nazi white supremacist group that has actually done violence, a lot of violence, like like white supremacist violence in Ukraine. Um, But yeah, people in Manhattan that were chanting Ukraine were chanting Azov. I don't know if they knew what they were chanting. And are they fighting? They're fighting for the Ukraine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wait a sec. So Putin, when he's been saying that there's Nazis in Ukraine, there are Nazis in Ukraine? Yes, but it's not all Nazis. That's the whole thing. People are taking it. But he wasn't technically lying. 
No. So I mean, the, obviously, the president. But that's, of, the but that's president not a reason to invade a country because of of you know the Azov Battalion, um, according to Wikipedia, has how many? A lot of people, but um, I think the people in the that were chanting it in uh, at the rally didn't know exactly what they were what it was all about. If I was yeah. at the rally and everyone was chanting some words, I would have chanted the words. Yeah, not knowing um, what it is. According to the guard, there's Guardian, CNN. There's a lot of articles talking about Azov, um, and the Guardian headline says that Azov fighters are Ukraine's greatest weapon, but they may be its greatest threat because they are like a like politics and their awful beliefs aside. They're supposedly incredible fighters and and like more like like soldiers. Well, yes. Yeah, so were Nazis. Yeah. So were yeah. the Germans. They were so, good fighter. Look what they how far they got. Yeah. Hey. Um. They even have like signage that is uh, evokes Nazi symbolism. Ugh. Um, and the video, which is getting pulled down in a lot of places, but it's still in a lot of places. Um, Reddit keeps pulling it down, but if there's enough uh, clones of it, um, there's like evacuate Mariupol, all that. But this crowd's chanting Azov, Azov, Azov. The, um, the only hope I can give you, because there isn't, I mean, this is pretty shocking. I'm fucking hopeless about it. The only it hope sucks. I can give you is I think people at the rally didn't know what they were chanting because I would That's have, my hope too. I would have been at that rally and anything that was Ukrainian in chant, I would have just said because I would have assumed it was good. Yeah. And that, but that's also the part it's like, I feel like I am still in full support of Ukraine, but I feel like, man, have we not been getting the full story? Have, it's like, gray. This, this is, is gray area again. There's yeah. in uh, just like a lot of people who fought for Germany in World War II were good people and they were just forced in a bad situation. They had no choice. And then in Ukraine, yeah. there's a lot of good people and then some bad people in the Ukraine fighting for the Ukraine. Every situation has this. There's never a clear cut. Everything is one way or another way. I say that a lot on this show and I believe it even here that it's there's always going to be some some bad eggs in an otherwise good fight for democracy and freedom. Yeah. So, so I guess, you know, sometimes you got to team up with the worst to achieve freedom, the, you know, f- yeah, freedom for your own country. But I just want to throw this out there and I know we've well over our hope we're over our show time, but also our hope in 60. It's disturbing. I think it's a situation worth monitoring. It is disturbing. That's for sure. It shocked me right now. But I try, you know, I do justice to the show, Rohit, and to the segment, and I try to find you hope. Which you did, because it's probably a mistake, but let's keep watching. And now let's get to your topic before we wrap up the show. And go. All right. Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, an all-around schmuck, just broke fundraising records because of his fight against Disney. And the, because they, you know, the whole don't say gay thing that they came out against after first being lukewarm about it. This gives me so little hope about everything because, uh, so he raised money because of this being, basically being anti-gay. Good. Help. So here's, here's a way I can spin that for you. Um, There's a lot of money in politics. There's a lot of cronyism. There's a lot of corporatism. And we hate all these things. Now, Disney had been getting a special deal that Universal, that the other parks and the other tourism places were not getting. Disney had very special deals. And because they kind of greased the pockets of Florida, they said, okay, we work well together. We're going to give you very special deals. Now, what happened is when during this whole 
uh, bill, um, Disney kind of took a stance against Florida. And then DeSantis is like, all right, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to throw that our way. Fine. We're going to cut off all your funding. So whether you agree with the bill or not, this, the hope is this is less corporations, fewer corporations getting taxpayer handouts mm -hmm. to support them when they're already making billions upon billions upon billions every day. Yeah. But I hate DeSantis. He's the worst, but, but think about what's right overall. We have one one of the biggest companies in the world that now has to fund themselves and they're not getting the tax breaks that they didn't need that are coming from people that in the in the, in the state of Florida. Okay. I mean, I feel hope about that, but DeSantis getting a good push is disgusting because that guy is awful. He's not great. Not great. But hey, less companies getting preferential treatment, I'm okay with. Yeah. I hate, yeah. Okay. All right. A little bit of hope in there. Yeah, it's not great hope, but it's a little. No, in the post-COVID era, look, we if we can take, we'll take anything to bring it back to our topic. Because I have big hope fulfilled to end our show, Rohit. Yes. This is exciting stuff. Taco Bell. There was a segment during COVID on this show about how Taco Bell was getting rid of the Mexican pizza, which is my... The number four Mexican, it's a Mexican pizza, two tacos. And a longstanding tradition in Mexican cuisine for centuries. Exactly. And the Taco Bell Mexican pizza was gone. It was eliminated. They got rid of it because they didn't want to spend the money on it. I don't know why. But there was a petition that I talked about that I signed and was one of many people who signed to bring back the Mexican pizza. I tweeted about it. I signed it because you made and it. And I, I made Rohit sign it. And the people have spoken. The people have Woo! spoken. And Taco Bell has heard us. And on a date soon that I can't find the date for. But in like a week, I think. Oh, May 19th. On May 19th, I will be destroying my stomach. And going to Taco Bell because the Mexican pizza is being brought back. And I'll go with you. You'll go with me. And it'll be a celebratory yeah. time where we can all cherish the joy that the Mexican pizza brings to us all. Or we eat it live on the show while we're recording. I think we'll live. do that. Yes. Let's go get yeah, a Mexican that's pizza. That's and, and I used to get as a kid the number four Mexican pizza, two Taco Supremes, and a Mountain Dew. That was my order. It was... I'd get it all the time. I'd crave it. It's delicious. So I will eat that on this show. Get sick immediately after. For those who don't know, I have Crohn's disease. I will get sick from this, but I will do it for this show and for the love of the Mexican pizza. So Same. And so I'm going to get a Mexican pizza. I'm going to get a uh, chalupa. Um, and then I'm going to get a regular crunchy taco. Maybe two regular crunchy tacos. Lots of Diablo sauce. Mm. Mixing some fire sauce in there. And I, too, will join you remotely <laughs> shitting my brains out. Um, but it'll be great. And, uh, and, and <laughs> we'll also record our show from the toilet. From the toilet. And then one final thing to end it with is Doja Cat, the artist who's uh, performed mm -hmm. at Coachella, who's very popular now. She, her people made her do a deal announcing that the Mexican pizza was coming back. But she was like really hung over when she had to do this TikTok about it. And 
hated the Mexican pizza or doesn't even really know what it is. And she had to do this super cringeworthy like promotion for it where she basically says it sucks, which I disagree with. But what I love is that she had to do this because when people who sponsor celebrities like her and stuff make them do things that they don't want to do and watching her on her TikTok have to talk about the Mexican pizza and then there was like a rap written for her that she had to do about the Mexican pizza and she obviously was disgusted that she had to do it but she was getting paid I it made me love the Mexican pizza even more that this celebrity was put and Doja Cat yeah and Doja Cat like kind of even though I disagree with her opinions on food I loved that she just did this and it was just, it was so cringeworthy, obnoxious and it was for the cause for the Mexican pizza. So Doja Cat, Hey, you were definitely hung over doing this rap and definitely upset about it. And it was very funny and bring back yeah, the Mexican. Doja's kind of the best. So she's, it great. was funny. You should yeah. watch the TikTok yeah. if you haven't seen I it. I will. I will. I'm going to look it up. So with that, cool. we have taken up far too little of your time. I know you want us for two more hours, but we are done. And until next time. Till next time, stay hopeful and make sure to mark your calendars for next Mexican Pizza Day and listen along to our show while we're, you know, eating eating it. it. We'll all eat it together. We'll break we'll break Mexican pizza together. (laughs) And with that, see you next time. When the world seems cold and bleak and you just can't take it anymore. Here it comes. That glimmer of hope, a light shines through the dark. It's a hopeless soul.